0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. This is Steve coming from Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention and I'm joined with the lovely and talented and amazing Kathy Garver. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing great, Steve. How about you?
0: I'm doing wonderful. You and I both survived the convention and I say survived only because the air conditioning broke for all three days. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, one has to adapt.
0: <laughs> and, and you adapted I think perfectly. I think I saw you around your table you seem to have the energy of 10 people
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's maybe that cup of tea in the morning and then i don't usually drink um any more caffeine but i had a diet coke and i said oh my i certainly am talking a lot
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you're not used to having caffeine like that jolt of caffeine will get you up and going for sure and i think your table was one of the busier tables. There was a few tables busy, but yours was also one of them constantly having people come there to talk to you.
1: Well, it's nice, too, because I did this convention about five years ago, and I made friends, and then we had stayed in connection, and Facebook people came because they knew I was going to be at this particular convention, and then people that had saved things or bought some of my books online would bring them, and I would sign them. So, it was a, a nice convi of of different kinds of people and when i go to like conventions i bring like different things Mm -hmm. so it's not only family affair it's a series that i did for like five years and there's nostalgia and memorabilia from there a lot of different pictures and um, two or three people brought up the lunch boxes and now i think they're replicating them because i saw when i said I'd never seen one in such good condition, <laughs> but it was metal and um, not a nick on it. So I think a couple of them have been reproduced. Uh, and, and then all, all kinds of things from my career. I didn't bring even as much as I usually do, and I, I ran out of my books, and I ran out of some of my pictures, but there were other things that they could
0: purchase. That's always actually always a good problem, to run out <laughs> and, have, and bring too much of one thing, and you always go, oh, I should have brought more of this. I was one of the ones who bought one of your books, the Family Affair Cookbook, and um, I can't wait to. Um, my daughter loves cookbooks, and I love reading about different things about TV shows, and I think this is the mixture of both. Correct? It is.
1: Um, it's a it's a book that each character that was in Family Affair, from Uncle Bill to Buffy and Jody, have their own chapter, and it also says. What happened to the people after the show ended in 1971. So you'll be able to read about that, a brief history. And the, the chapters are, you know, Mr. French was known by his gourmet cooking. So it's Mr. French's gourmet things, an easy chapter for the Buffy and Jody and Sissy Sizzles. Then we get to Uncle Bill, who really didn't cook a lot, there was the potent potables. Uncle Bill's from Manhattan how to make a Manhattan Mm -hmm. since we're from New York and and shaken not stirred martinis
0: and uh, so I'm looking forward to it because it's like each character's there and we might as well talk about a little bit of a family affair I grew up watching that show in syndication I was born in 68 so I got to see it and it's still I think out on syndication I think it's on Amazon Prime right now so people can still see this this classic show and french um, sebastian cabot and uncle bill brian keith were just two amazing actors to work with you guys as children and i think they they cast it perfectly
1: they did and the parts were offered to different people before brian keith accepted his role and sebastian accepted mr french and the way it was done and back in 1966 there there weren't a lot of movie stars that were doing that awful you know being appearing on that awful little television set and Don Feddersen, who was our producer-creator, started like a Feddersen method with My Three Sons. Mm-hmm. And he really you know, wanted Fred McMurray to be the star of his show because it was kind of following in the shaggy, shaggy dog kind of genre and story. So he made an offer to Fred McMurray saying, look, you can come and do our show and you only have to work for two months and then you can go back and you can be a movie star in your films. And he says, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. The thing that sold it was that he would get a financial piece of the show. And that really had not been done unless it was Lucy who really kind of yeah. first started as an actor. An actor didn't own the show. So he started that same method with Brian Keith. First he approached Glenn Ford, and Glenn Ford says, no, I wouldn't do that you know be on tv <laughs> and uh brian thought okay and he had just finished uh, parent trap
0: oh it's a lovely with, movie
1: yes and it was so good and it showed that side of him and what a wonderful family man he could be and, and his sense of, of humor and they thought mm. so that's how that that came about
0: i think sometimes people say this person was cast or this person might have been cast um, like, like originally, it was like Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones and end up with Harrison Ford. And people say, What if? We'll never know. I think things happen for a reason and the right people end up in the right roles. And Brian Keith was Uncle Bill. I mean, it's just, I cannot picture anybody else being him or pulling it. I cannot picture Glenn Ford pulling that same, working with the children and having that um, amazing gift cuz you are working with a young child actor not you were you were um i think what 18 19 when it was going mm-hmm. on and but the other two were very young you have to be so as an actor so giving and so helpful to let them get through that performance and i know some adults would be Oh, this is so tough. We have to, you know, give, wait for them to get their stuff right and that kind of thing. But he was just so talented and able to pull that off.
1: Yeah, he loved children, and here was this macho man with this heart of gold and very sensitive. And he, I, I agree with you because he really just had the right amounts and the and the different qualities. Because the series was a wee bit of a fantasy, and it was, you know, a family affair. And what he brought to it was that sense of realism and naturalism where it could have been a little saccharine and it was not because he brought that uh, element to it. And so two adorable little kids and a, you know, kind of hot teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mr. French could could have been a caricature when they redid it. They could see and audiences could see how it could go wrong with um the, with the new Mr. French that was on Rocky Horror Show. And he was a, a wee bit over the top. And Gary Cole who was very nice, but he's a little flat. In trying to underplay it, he lost all essence of the emotion and, and the love of it, in my estimation.
0: Oh, I agree with you. And Sebastian was amazing. I love Everybody loves the first episode because I think it sets everything up when he goes, I am the nanny.
1: <laughs> right and Tim Curry would have, oh I'm a nanny <laughs> <You> know, <right? laughs> and that's and that's the difference and then John Williams replaced Sebastian for a, a little bit and he was you know really
0: I mean you were it was just such, was such a movie where I'm not a movie but a TV show where everything was just so interrelated and I just I think it's gonna hold up it's like I love Lucy it's, it's like Gilligan's Island. There's certain things that are just classics that go and leave it to Beaver. There's certain shows that I think just carry on because the writing, the acting, everything, and the casting is all right there to have it to still be timeless.
1: And I do believe that, that it's timeless, and we had such great writers. Ed Hartman, who was a producer and also one of the lead writers on it, and it was always his philosophy that... It's about story, story, story. It's story stupid. He would never call anyone stupid, but you know, you start and the classic uh, formula, you start with the problem, you, you climb the tree, you're at the top of the tree, you look around, how are we gonna you know, what's what's around us, how we're gonna get down, then you slide down after you find that out to the denouement or the to the end of it. So that's been a classic structure for a long time. But especially nowadays, people, you know, forego that for all special effects and, and they lose the essence of, well, what's the story about? And we always had a secondary story that, that went along mm-hmm. with, with the main one. And it was all, you know, kind of tied up at the end, which is good, because sometimes it wasn't such a happy ending. Yeah, You know, we, we're we often called a dramedy rather than a comedy because it dealt with, you know, some more serious things. And uh, one of the most popular episodes, I've just um, finished a new book that's called Family Affair Scrapbook. And in doing some even research on my part, I said, well, what were some of the most favorite episodes? And one of the episodes that people really liked was Christmas Came a Little Early. And that was with Eve Plum, who then went on to the Brady Bunch and it was about a little girl who, and nobody said cancer, but had an illness, and um, she wasn't, and she lived in the building, and she wasn't going to last till Christmas. And so Buffy and the family says, we're going to bring Christmas to her. And then it was the, the ending of it when in just such a wonderful scene with Brian Keith and, and Anissa Jones, who played Buffy, and saying, well, well what, what happened to her? And Anissa's just real tears about her understanding that people sometimes don't make it, and people, you know, can't make make it to Christmas, and they have to leave us. I don't even like to leave a Zoom meeting. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like leaving places. I, I don't want to leave this convention. I won't want to leave this, but then I'll say, but yes, I would like to have a glass of Chardonnay and some dinner, <laughs> and, you know, uh, but it's... Uh, but that, but those are, are are some of the emotional ones that uh, were tied into, mm-hmm. and it was a situation comedy. It wasn't a jokey comedy.
0: And that's what I like. And I, those are the things I like best about it. I think that's why it holds up because it doesn't have to. It, some comedies are so topical they're going to age poorly. They could they're really great, and then ten, twenty, thirty years later, it's just. It, the only people that were remember watching the show originally, but it won't bring in the newer audience because people are gonna be like, Oh, what was that? That was something that was that hit the mark then. And that's why I like about certain classic shows where they just keep that because they're so grounded with the comedy but with the reality to mm-hmm. undercut it.
1: And it's more about relationships than <laughs> things and and uh, even when they were a little bit topical, like uh, going to the Peace Corps, and but there's a Peace Corps still exists or the Candy Stripers. You know, they they still exist. But I think that that's another, you know, one of the reasons. And even for the style of the show, like, that was the 60s. I wanted to wear, you know, <laughs> super, super mini skirts and all of this. And I said, sissy's gotta be in style. And no, they were very adamant that it would be classic styles. And so I got them to get my, my skirts up, maybe just right at above my knee, but, but that was really it. And you look at some of the styles that, that I was wearing, it's just, oh yeah, you know? And the apartment itself, the, the penthouse apartment, you could be, it could be a modern place that you would walk in today. So that sense of, of style mm-hmm. and classicism that makes it so good today, and it's the 55th anniversary this year which I hate to admit, because I think, Steve, you, you know I'm 39.
0: Yes. Okay. I thought you were 38. <laughs>
1: oh, you know, time <laughs> goes by so quickly that, you know, that's what happens.
0: It, it, the thing is, is your energy level is of somebody in their 30s. I think 30-year-olds would have trouble keeping up with you, because like I said, in the convention, you were doing stuff, and I'm, so, I'm seeing other people wilting, and you're just, I think you're, the, the, the people coming up to the love they were giving you, and the love you were giving back, I think just energized you the whole time.
1: And that's just exactly what i was going to say you must have been think, you know into my brain thinking <laughs> because people energize me and i i'm enthused when i see somebody and now i've started these affirmations as old as i am i have a 30 year old son and who has never left home but except for three months and he doesn't fly the nest he invites people into the nest so he invited his girlfriend six years ago so she's living with us as well but she's very kind of spiritual and she introduced me to affirmations and so I make these affirmations you know in the morning he says I am kind and I attract kindness you know and uh, so I think that it comes from who you are and your recognition mm-hmm. of yourself and your, your own self-worth and I, I'm worthy of this and, and I want to I want to see who a person is and 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 just connect with them and especially now oh I tell you oh my goodness because we were like incarcerated or locked down yes. especially in California and I went to a Comic-Con Gemstone Comic-Con in Idaho mm-hmm. about 3 or 4 months ago when we were people getting out people were so excited to see other people to actually talk to to someone and it was just, again, a wonderful energy. And the promoter says, what am I going to do with all these people? He hadn't planned on so many people just being so anxious to get out. I must tell you that, I don't have, must tell you, but when, when I was like... You must, you must. I must, I must. I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to. <laughs> My husband always said, would you just do the bottom line, Kathy? Don't tell the backstory because I start to tell the backstory. But uh, when, when I was in lockdown in Los Angeles. And it was like my husband and, and the two 30-year-olds and the two dogs. And then I would go outside and there'd be the postman. Hi, Kevin, how are you today? Isn't it a beautiful day? Do you think the grass has grown a little bit longer? Maybe we should have that tree. To, oh, be careful, there's, there's a car. And he says, and I would just chat and chat and chat. with Kevin. And well, you know, I, I really have to get on. It was really nice talking to me this car. Where I've got to go get the mail. But I, I had him. <laughs> I had somebody else to talk to, a real person.
0: I know what you mean and I was interesting because during the lockdown I was, I'm an essential employee so of course I was still showing up at work so I still had those working relationships but ah. I, I'd come home and everybody else was home and it was almost like it's like, what's it like out there what's it like you know and, and, and that kind of thing so yes yeah I, I was I was the um the bringer of news like yes people are still out there the world is there. there's still people there it's not totally gone you know and that kind of thing but it, it's 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 amazing I like you Love human interaction, and I think that's what's wonderful about having these chances to get together because I think, as a society, as humans, all throughout the beginning of time we've been around, is you got to have that interaction mm-hmm. in order to have the positivity and in order to improve and enjoy life.
1: We're pack people, pack animals, we're pack animals. We like, you know, we're in tribes, you know, mm-hmm. as they say, the tribes these days, which have gotten kind of a bad connotation. But, I mean, that's the way we evolved, you know? And you needed, you know, the hunters and the gatherers and the person to sit by the fire and, and all of that. That reminded me of the lockdown, too. I said, okay, I'm going to venture out into virus land, and I, I will be back soon. But anyway, that's almost past.
0: Yes, and we're making it through. It's like, I think you and I both have positive outlooks. It's like, we'll get through it, and then one day we'll, it'll be a memory, and then 20 years from now, Nobody's the kids that are born twenty years from now are never going to know. Yeah, what this whatever happens, just like with us with the um, the smallpox thing. I was just really going to say
1: smallpox, chickenpox, you know, and this too, you know, shall pass. But again, it's that law of attractions. I and when again, it's my affirm. I am healthy, and I you know um, I am safe, and all will be well and my body mind and spirit are healing if you say oh no you know i, I think i have a fever oh no I, I think i'm sick you know i some of my hypochondriacal friends mm-hmm. who have been so for like 30 40 years have this happened to him and that happened to him and that happened but sometimes i think you bring that on yourself if you have like a, a negative type of thing
0: i agree that my thing is like positive vitality you just want to keep you, if you think that if you think positively you start to improve you start thinking negatively well it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy eventually you're going to be right
1: yeah i you know i i agree
0: now you got your start in the business as a child but one of your films that you were very young in the 10 commandments oh, yes and i, I being in a movie podcast i love the 10 commandments i rewatched it again recently because i was looking for rachel <laughs> and i was like i say and so how did you get that part, and then how did you get from being an extra to a speaking part?
1: Well, I was hired, as you said, just as an extra. It was one of my first jobs in Hollywood. My other f- movie was Night of the Hunter. So I went from horror to, you know, this great religious epic. And that Night of the Hunter with Robert Mitchum and Shelley mm-hmm. Winters and Lillian Gish and Peter Graves and she's an incredible cast.
0: Charles Lawton directed?
1: Yes, his first and last because it did not get... Re- good reviews because it was so ahead of its time mm-hmm. and it was kind of this dark expressionism German movie and now it is considered like one of the top uh, horror films that was ever made from its suspense and from you know its whole story. So I went from doing this, this kind of dark, interesting movie to me. I'm, I'm always up for looking. I'm an adventurer. So saying, "Well, what's that like?" So I was hired for as an extra for Ten Commandments, and we were shooting over at Paramount, and I got my robes and, and dark makeup on, and all set to go, and it's at the beginning of the Exodus part. And I'm to ride in a, a wagon, and I had this sweet little lamb on my uh, lap. And so we're getting ready to go, and then all of a sudden, I hear this big voice, "Don't let that little girl's face get into the camera." I said well, who, who is that? I said, is that God? Because <laughs> it was coming from way above me. Well, it wasn't God, but it was Cecil B. DeMille on this big crane. And so he was shooting this overhead shot and, and looking down at everyone. So I said, okay. Because the assistant director came up and put like this little robe around me. And I said, okay, don't want to see me, okay. <laughs> and then later we did that scene. And I, for the first, I mean, I've seen the movie like three or four times. I finally I saw myself and they kept that in and I finally identified myself in this great hordes of of um, all the people that were trying to exit and I said oh my gosh they kept that in and I see that so anyway I did peek out I must say I guess (laughs) so I came down um, I met Cecil B. DeMille he came over we had a chat and then uh, Cecil B. DeMille had a chat with the assistant director and he told my mother, he says, well, she's going to be on this movie a lot longer than this just like two days. turns out I was on the movie for six weeks. He wrote scenes into the movie for me. And it was it was a wonderful experience. And at that time, when you're little, you don't know exactly what's going on. It's just your senses, your eyes and your nose and, and your ears, What what's going on in this wonderful new world.
0: And you got to talk to him and everything, I mean, really, when you said, when we talked about the voice came from above on the crane, the voice of God for the film industry, he was like the voice of God. This was his last film and this was his passion project. And he was, it's just amazing. The whole yeah. work.
1: Yeah, it it, it, was, it was a wonderful beginning into filmmaking. And then I just started doing all kinds of like guest stars on TV shows and radio. And um, I taught for like 20 years and, taught voiceover and how to do characters. I've I've done like eighty audiobooks and won forty audio awards. Yes. And uh, so I what I would tell my, my voiceover students, I said each one of these individual kinds of voiceovers you have to develop certain skills for. Just as when you're an actor you have to know how to do film acting, which is very kind of low key. And stage, which was much bigger, I know, or uh, some of the other things that that you're doing. And in voiceover, like to do audio books, you have to know how to be able to do maybe a 100 different voices in a single book. And for cartoons, they're much bigger, and for, being a spokesperson you have to be a little bit more erudite and and moderate and industrials and adr won the academy award for the adr for sound that was apollo 13 and so it's it's such a vast wonderful life to be in in the entertainment business
0: and your instrument your voice is just so great i mean it's it's um it's amazing you know what you're able to do with your voice during these things.
1: What do you mean, Steve? <laughs> you mean this? Or Well, yeah, I have visited the South. I, I like it a lot. But these New Yorkers, they're always in my wake, you know? I, I, I can't get by in, in, in anything that I'm doing. What are you talking about? Just listen to me and believe what I say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is lovely. And speaking of voices, we got to talk probably about your most famous voice, for me at least. Firestar, Spider-Man and his amazing friends.
1: Spider-Friends, go for it. <laughs> I love Spider-Man and his amazing friends in Firestar. And this is another enduring classic. I've been so blessed in my life to be involved in classic things. The, the TV shows that I've done, the movies, Ten Commandments, Spider-Man and his amazing friends is now on Disney Plus, and it's... Uh, All over the world, I get foreign royalties for it. And just this year, they brought out this little Firestar figure, and uh, she's so well done. She's got five-star reviews, and although she's got two heads, so I'm not really crazy about being decapitated, (laughs) but I do have another one to put back on my head. It doesn't turn all around like you know in the like an exorcist, right? No, (laughs) it's not doing that. Um, But I, I really enjoyed doing that. And it has this historical fact in that Stan Lee always would uh, get one of his characters that he had developed from the comics. And then he would develop uh, a cartoon animated cartoon for it. And this one, he made the show first and then he made the comic books like firestar has a mini series of, of four comics and so that was and he narrated the, the beginnings mm-hmm. of them which is so i've been in historic things that i really enjoy
0: doing now when you did on the, the tv show spider-man where you guys were doing your voices were you all together that's what i was hoping you would say because nowadays i know a lot of times it's done separate you got to work with some wonderful people including one person who right now is probably like, when people say voice actors, he is the voice actor.
1: Yeah, it's like <laughs> Mel Blanc, you know, back then. It's Frank Welker, you know, today. He he knows how to do the voice of every single breed of dogs. And there are lots of dogs, but he's Scooby Doo and the Transformer and, you know, so many movies that he has done. And he is a real supreme talent, for sure.
0: Because I know he was Ice. if I remember, he was Iceman.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, Frank Welker was Iceman, Dan Gilvezan played Spider-Man, who was also a Transformer, and then I was um, Firestar and Angelica Jones, and June Ferre was Aunt May.
0: I was about to bring it up, you have to work with probably, I mean, I, to me, when you talk about the golden age of voice actors, there's Mel Blanc, June Ferre, I just put them as a tie. I mean, you cannot, I don't want to try to pick between those two actors, because they were both were amazing. But, what was it what was June Ferre like I mean it's well,
1: actually, she was a little prissy, you know, and she was very um she was very talented mm-hmm. and she knew it, and i <laughs> i'll never forget and she was very opinionated, she was absolutely fabulously talented, but she was, as I say, opinionated, and for some reason, we got into this conversation about England, and she said oh. those horrible royals, they always wear those stupid hats. Why do they wear those stupid hats? And (laughs) she was very annoyed at them that she would make the, 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 that they would make the wrong fashion choice of wearing hats. So anyway, but she was, but that was, that's who she is. I'm, I, unfortunately, I am a Sagittarian and I am very blunt and I, not very politic and I kind of tell things as they are, but I, I approve of myself, and that's 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 who I am.
0: I'm a Libra, so I'm in the balance. I'm I'm the one that keeps everybody happy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> see, I, I dated a Libra for five years. We were, I should have married him instead of my Pisces, who tries to pour water on my enthusiasm all the time. And our son is a Pisces, thank God that at least the girl, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> the fiance, my my future daughter-in-law is, is is not. And so she adds a little balance to the affairs.
0: There's a movie I saw that you did not that long ago, "Mom, Murder, and Me," which is I think like also on Amazon Prime, and I enjoyed it. It was just the the, the two of you, you know, have it. Um, the two of you, I'm trying to remember her name. It's um, Sarah Claren. Ah,
1: yes, Sarah Claren
0: as Annabelle, and the two of yeah. you had great chemistry. And you were the the mom that she did not want to see who shows up, and then of course. Murder happens.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> and then hijinks ensue.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it was really a fun thing to do. And we shot it in San Francisco and got some of the most beautiful scenes. And I was from the Midwest, and then here she is in San Francisco, and for her birthday, I'm bringing her, like, you know, whistles when she's going to be in trouble and... and, uh, Pepper spray. Pepper spray. (laughs) And and things like this, too. The tasers on back order. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You did see this movie, Steve. Yes. And then uh, worse things of worse. Murder happens, as you said, so beautifully. And then it ensues how we solve the murder and uh, mom murdering me. I always wanted to you know, do a series out of this because I think it would be so good. And I talked to the writer-producer and she says, oh, you have to write the backstory and pitch it and all of that. So, But uh, still, I I love it as a a series. At least, you know, a Hallmark, you know, series. They have totally changing Hallmark. There's big, you know, changes coming there.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: They're they're not having their mysteries anymore. The Hallmark movies are going to take a little different twist and revamping the, the whole thing.
0: Well, my wife's not going to be happy about that. No, I bet
1: bet not. I just finished a a movie called Old Man Jackson. It's almost finished that we shot uh, in Houston, which was was really nice. And this is is another comedy I I think you'll enjoy. And then we shot a pilot for TV Dinners. Mm -hmm. And TV Dinners TV. And we've got the pilot, we've got the money for eight episodes. Now I'm just trying to convince this network. To give enough licensing fee that will will cover our investments, so we can uh, shoot now. Butch Pot- Butch Patrick was the guest mm-hmm. star from the Munsters in that. So and I wrote a book that goes along with that called TV Dinners TV Cookbook. So that's that's one of my books that are coming out this year.
0: Awesome and just before we have you just before we finish up, I heard recently that you have another kind of expertise, a horse whisperer. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's so funny that you say that because I'll tell you okay so a year ago I went on an interview and uh, to be a spokesperson Silver Wanda for this amusement park Silverwood in Idaho so when I did the Interview, Zoom interview. I use a little ottoman for my horse because I'm supposed to ride up on my horse. So I'm, you know, I climb onto the ottoman. I pretend it's a horse, and I'm saying, "Hi, I'm Silver Wanda, etc." So about two months ago, they call and say, "Oh, and by the way, you know, you did this interview, but we'd like to cast you as Silver Wanda." I said, "That's fine." And I said, "Am I really riding a horse?" Oh, yes, yes. She'll be riding the horse. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. I had not ridden a horse in 15 years, and. I had ridden a, f- a horse before in, I, in um,
0: but big Valley
1: yes, in Big Valley, I rode a horse and I shot and I you know was wrestling in mud with all of this, so I said, but I need a little renewal I need a renewal license on this horse <laughs> so oh, see here's a long story, but I'm going to make it shorter um, I live in an equestrian center uh, and uh, Mickey Dolans lives there in Alyssa Milano and it's and it's a real nice. it started in the 70s and blah blah and, and so it's a nice it's a nice community. So I said well I'll just call the equestrian center and then I can you know get some lessons to figure out how to do this again. I called them and I said oh I'd like some lessons and they said well what is this is this western or uh, you know uh, the eastern writing. I said oh it's it's western. says, oh we only do dressage. <laughs> I said, well, that's not going to help me. So she uh, gave me a recommendation for Silver uh, Ranch that was near me. And I said, this, I've got to go there, you know, because this will fit in. So blah, 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 blah. I took the writing lessons. I get to Idaho, <laughs> they get me this outfit. And they, they got chaps. Well, two men and me could not figure out what was front and what was back with these chaps. <laughs> so I, says, I said, you know, I'm not going to wear chaps. He says, you know what? I agree. <laughs> so no chaps. But So then I, I have to meet the horse. Now, this was the first time that the horse had been on camera. Oh. The horse did not know about cameras. And I am to not only ride the horse, which I think I finally renewed enough that I could look like I was... You know, pretty competent on this horse, but <laughs> I had to ride the horse up, have the horse hit its mark, and say my lines <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> and it was like a hundred degrees without chaps, but with a wool, you know, cowboy short on. So this was quite a thing, and I got the hint when the trainer who was there, you know, says, "Well, the 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 horse was startled a little bit," and that's when she told me, this was <laughs> "It's its debut." And then I did. I started saying, "It's going to be okay," the, you know. "It's going to be okay. It's fine," don't, you know. "Don't worry. I'm here. I'm going to take care of you." And I did turn into a horse whisperer. Took all of my fear about, you know, this littler older lady <laughs> getting, you know, on this horse. And so we became such a team. And we did everything. I swear to God one take and I would stop that horse exactly on, on its mark and it all came out great. So there is something about whispering sometime that he had he had it all right. Not only the horse whisperer but the dog whisperer and maybe even the people whisperer.
0: Well I think I think all that voice acting helps out and things like that. Now you have another book I didn't, I didn't purchase, but I know it's, like, I think it's X Stars.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, X Child Stars. X Child Stars. Yes. And that's, that's a very interesting book. And it gives, like, the bibliographies and where are they now of all, the, like, classic stars in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And why some were able to make it and some were not. Mm-hmm. My newest book that's coming out is the um, Family Affair Scrapbook. And that is just hot off the press in two weeks. And that's also to celebrate the 55th anniversary. And I had done a very best-selling memoir in uh, 2015 called Surviving Sissy, My Family Affair of Life in Hollywood. And it was so good that they, (laughs) see, your your poor radio listeners can't see that I'm kind of mocking that. But it really (laughs) was good and got good reviews. So they're bringing it back in paperback. To, to celebrate. So I have actually three books that are, are coming out.
0: And people can get your books besides a normal place that they can get books they can also get them at your website right?
1: Yes and what's good about my website is I can autograph them.
0: That's what I was going to say you can get you can get it maybe the same price or maybe it'll be cheaper but you're not getting the autograph and what website can they go to?
1: kathygarver.com as simple as it can be kathy with a k K k-a-t-h-y-g-a-r-v-e-r.com kathygarver.com and then you just click on merchandise and it takes you to where the books are and and actually and actually the family affair cookbook is on pre-order now so they can go right to it and get the first edition
0: And one thing I want to tell listeners, if you ever get a chance to see Kathy in person, you have to do it. Are you doing any personal appearances upcoming?
1: Well, next week I am uh, doing the Western Legends Roundup in Kanab, Utah. So we're going to drive from L.A. to Las Vegas, spend a night there, and then we'll be in Kanab Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, coming back Sunday. And Darby Hinton is going to be there, and they have, like, this little walk of fame, at uh, Hollywood's Walk of Fame, and Brian Keith got they, uh, uh, an award and a star there. And uh, so there were so many Westerns that filmed right in Kanab, and what's beautiful about Kanab, and this is maybe my sixth year there, it's right at the, the top of Zion National Park. Mm-hmm. And so the drive down there is one of the most spectacular drives, I think, that, that anyone can make. And I was very happy and blessed when I was leaving and going down and with all these beautiful rock formation. And I get to this pinnacle, and there's this great vista around me. I have on the radio the Nor- Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and they are singing on a clear day you can see forever and i say yeah you're right <laughs> and it was just such a wonderful moment that you know something mm-hmm. stick in your mind so that what it is and this is going to stick in my mind steve because we've had such a wonderful conversation and i'm so glad that you took some time and i was able to talk to your listeners and and say hi
0: i'm so glad you took the time too and it was a pleasure to meet you all weekend long and to get that give people a chance of what they're missing because i know some people can't travel for various reasons, or you can't get to certain spots, but this way to get a little bit of an idea of what it's like to meet you and talk with you. And I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And if they get that opportunity to see you in person, seek it out, you could follow her on Facebook, on, you know, Kathy Garver, and that way you'll know exactly where she's gonna be.
1: And another thing that I signed up for is Cameo and Candy. And so I'm on can- Cameo and I've done some of those. And those are, you know, just like uh, shout outs, but I'm doing Candy. And um, I have it on my, my website, so you can actually sign up, and I'll have a five-minute interactive chat, which is, which is nice. And then I get to know people.
0: And, and people, don't be shy. I mean, it, every, people are always, like, think with famous people or act, actors, anybody. Oh, I don't, I'm going to be intimidated by them. It's just a different job than yours. There are people just like us. And like Kathy said, she likes to talk with you. She likes to hear about you. You can ask her questions. And I think once you once you do that you start talking with you you're, you're you're so personable and you you're able to bring I saw you with people in the line and they're able to come out of those shells and realize wow she's wonderful and that kind of stuff and I think that would be something that people should try to do
1: yes and you know and if people are a little shy you can write down things that that you would like to say and of course I'm not shy about talking but and I I was a psych minor in college and so I like you know it's just to to see who the other person is and what's happening with them and it's and it's fun
0: well thank you again and listeners thank you for joining us for this podcast episode if you like it share with your friends and join us next episode we're to be doing a movie review decided by the roll of a die or another interview everybody be safe